Welcome to Disarming Persuasion, the podcast for sales and business leadership professionals. My name is Dave Rosenberg, and I am the founder and principal at Locked On Leadership, a consulting firm with a mission to replace Thank God It's Friday with Thank God It's Monday. And I'm Ann Bonney, redhead impersonator and an expert in change management and leadership that people want to follow. Okay, Ann. What are we going to talk about today? Let's talk about when we have to let somebody on our team go or when when we stop working with somebody or they leave our team and we need to keep morale up. We need to keep our salespeople happy. You know what I mean? You know, you're squeaking again. Did I squeak? Let's. Oh, I get excited, Dave. I get excited to talk to you. I don't blame you. You are human. It's <laughs> merely human, I should say. What's that? You are only human. I am only human. So I get excited to speak with you. So, yeah, I mean, so let's just sort of lay this out for me a little bit because it's a persuasion podcast. So what's the issue here? We let someone go. Big deal. Well, so we we usually you and I usually tackle persuasion in two two areas in the persuasion of sales persuasion and persuading our clients to do business with us, and also in the leadership persuasion of persuading our teams to be confident, work with us. Um, and every time somebody in our team leaves, you know, as Bob Berg say, people do business with people they know, like, and trust. So when that person that they like and trust is gone, whether it's your client and the, their main sales contact is gone, or it's internal and one of their coworkers is gone, you know, there's a lot of opportunity for question, for judgment, for fear, for, you know, gossip and lack of correct information. Um, and so I thought it might be good to say, to talk a little bit about how we handle when people leave, whether it's on good terms or bad terms, how we handle that so that we can maintain those relationships and the ability to persuade when we need to. Yeah, and that makes a lot of sense. In, in addition, and it's sort of baked into what you just said, is group dynamics tells us, right, anytime, so, you know, a group, you know, we're talking about group dynamics, sort of, you know, forming, storming, norming, performing, right? We're, we're well aware of that um, particular rubric. And the when I first learned this, what I didn't realize initially is that forming doesn't mean necessarily, oh, the first time the group comes together. But the reality right. is any time you add or subtract a member to the group, it's a new group. Mm -hmm. And we start all over again to the degree of which we end up going through the storming phase, the norming phase and, and get to performing. A lot depends on leadership and how they handle this very topic. So, yeah, I think this is this is really good because storming is actually a, uh, a condition of or a symptom of a lack of persuasion. What do you mean? Well, why does the conflict, the storm occur? Because people aren't in agreement about how things are done, something. There's some... There's some conflict there and conflict is, is people trying to persuade each other about the right way to do things or the right way to use resources. That's what, that's what conflict is. It, it's, it's a mm -hmm. conflict over resources, which typically means a point of view on how they're, how they should be deployed. Cause if everyone agrees the way they should be deployed, there's no conflict. And so that's what the storming phase typically is. It's, it's, you know, jockeying for position. And I think this, no, I think that, 
right? And so there's a lack of persuasion or there's an attempt at persuasion that's ineffectual. And until it becomes effective, that's when norming starts occur. And then people start moving in the same direction and then you start really performing. Right. Well, and, and that storming phase is important because we do start to create those norms and create how are we going to interact and who's going to be how and we learn about each other. Um, but you're right. It happens every time we change a dynamic in a group. Um, and so, yeah, figuring out how do we let people let people go is the wrong word. But when people go out of the group, whether a new person comes in or not, um, we got to figure out how to keep keep that rapport. Yeah. So what's your first recommendation? Well, I think, you know, one of the things I love to say is in, in leadership and in tough conversations is sometimes we have to say the thing. We have to look directly at it and say the thing. Now, sometimes HR regulations, and definitely talk to your HR team about this so you're not giving up too much information, but when somebody just disappears, and suddenly it's like, well, now you're working with Dave. People are like, whoa, and they'll fill in the gaps. And so by looking directly at it, giving people as much information as we can in a, in a respectful, in a professional way, um, and that requires planning how we're saying it. But I think saying something is really important. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you've hit on something we've talked about before. And, and actually, before I go there, thank you for giving the disclaimer, folks. We are not lawyers. We don't play them on TV. We didn't even sleep at the Holiday Inn last night. So we can't give good legal advice. Please check with your local HR attorney. None of this is intended as legal advice. Disclaimer over. Um, when When somebody leaves, what we're really triggering, and I know this is one of your favorite topics is fear of the unknown mm. right we have a vacuum of information and that's the problem and and i know you and i completely agree on this in as much as possible legally once again my my little header there um but in as much as possible you need to give as much info you can't you almost can't give too much information you know again with <laughs> i feel like a broken record within the legal bounds but as right. much as you can give it i've had owners who say no i it, it's going to scare people it's going to do this it's going to do that no, what scares people is what they don't know. Because people fill in the gaps. They'll make stuff up. They And, and the question they're asking themselves is, how does this affect me? Does Is this company going out of business? Are we doing layoffs? Am I going to get laid off? You know, what's happening here? Um, and how does this impact me? Because that's the scary part to our teams. Exactly. And we know highly effective teams, highly accountable teams in my world, which is all the same thing. We're just, you know, are teams that think about others before themselves, right? When we get to that place of protection, how does this affect me? We've stopped thinking about everybody else and we hunker down, we put a shell around ourselves and we do everything to protect ourselves at the expense of the team. Yeah. And, and we need to make sure that we're not only protecting the other person, protecting ourselves, but protecting our teams too. And the cool thing is if we have a highly accountable team with highly accountable leadership, that rapport and trust is going to be there. So for those gaps that you cannot fill in for legal reasons, the team's going to say, okay, cool. I get it. I trust this team to be making good decisions. They'll let me know when they can. Yeah. And what's interesting is in my experience, and I, I, you and I haven't talked about this before, but I am willing to that good money, your experience will dovetail with mine. Every time I've had to make a change, whether it was a 
voluntary change, i.e. the person left on their own, or an involuntary change where I volunteered them to, to leave. To depart. <laughs> right, to depart. Irrespective of how that came about, at the end of the day, once the dust settled, the team was always, and I mean always, mm -hmm. stronger, better. Yeah. The person that replaced them, if if they got replaced, one of two things happens. A, you replace them. And because you've learned, you've grown, you've had that experience You go, you know, this person was really good, but, you know, there's always that, and here's the areas where I wish were better. And then you fill that in. So the next person is even better. Mm-hmm. Or you realize you can just modify things. And I had this happen, a VP of sales left. We never replaced that person. And this person, in addition to being a, a VP of sales, was also a salesperson. He was doing both roles and he was a top performer in the sales role. And while we didn't have another top performer step in, what we had was the other performers stepped up and together more than made up for what was missing. And we realized, wow, we were overpaying somebody for a position that, you know, we didn't really need to have. Once again, we were leaner and more efficient. So one of those two scenarios has always happened in, when I've had to deal with this. Well, and I think the, the the action item that I would put on that is not only letting people know what's going on, they're not with us anymore, but letting them know what the plan is. How are we going to fill in? How are we going to you know deal with this? Because sometimes the person who left maybe a really great, you know, in one area, they may be really, really good at their job. I was talking to a friend of mine recently. She called me. She said, I need your help. I don't know what to do. We've got an IT guy who's on her team who, and IT is irrelevant. We have a person on the team who never follows through, never does the steps on the tickets and all that stuff. Um, he's really, really good at his job. And everybody knows that as well as him knowing it. And I finally asked her, I was like, is this person worth the trouble? I mean, is he creating this lack of respect, lack of trust? Yes, people are going to freak out if he leaves because everybody knows he's the best. But at the same time, if we've got people who can step up that we believe in, that makes the team stronger and the process stronger, is that a better position to be in? So letting people know not only is your job safe or here's what we're going to do to take care of you, but also here's the plan to fill in the gaps to make sure everything keeps running well. Yeah, and you actually hit on a couple different points. Um, one is, and, and may not be a topic for today, I don't know, like, which is really keeping those people who are strong in one area, but, but really weak in another. And I've had this conversation countless times with business owners and managers and leaders who think I can't, you know, I'm being held hostage by this bad behavior because of the good behavior and I have never found a case where you can't get rid of that person and more than make up for it, right? Mm -hmm. So my, my short answer there is they're a cancer and you're just yeah. letting it metastasize. And, right. and folks, if you want to talk more about that, let us know. This is one of my favorite topics because this is scary for everybody. And this is, this is where courage in leadership comes in. Um, but, but more to your point, you don't always need to have a full-on plan. And, and I think this is really important because well, I don't have a plan. So when this VP of sales left, and, and the way it came about was interesting. He was negotiating for a different compensation package. 
And at some point, you know, what he believed he was worth and what I believed he was worth, we had a, a big, big gap there. Mm -hmm. I don't know to, for a fact, but I'm pretty sure the, he made a move thinking, uh, you know, that he had me. He's like, oh, here's my letter of resignation. And I said, well, thank you. Um, are you going to continue to work for the next two weeks or do you want to leave early? And his jaw hit the floor because I wasn't about to. I, I was going on principle at this point. I didn't have a plan. He was our top guy. And my mind went to, I hope he gives me two weeks because I need to come up with a plan. But if he doesn't, I had faith that we'd come up with something. Right. And and he gave me the two weeks because I think he was caught flat-footed by my response. He left. And by the time he left, I had realized that I had other salespeople that needed to be trained in the area where he was strong. They were strong salespeople. They just weren't experts in what he was doing. I put a training plan together. I approached them, talked about what was going on. You know, we developed a training plan together. We had a small dip for about two months in sales, and then it just filled back in. Mm -hmm. right. So you don't even need to have the plan in place. You just need to have an idea of what success may look like and get your team together. I can almost guarantee they'll help out. Well, and that's and that's a great point, too. Um, we don't have to have a fully fleshed plan. In fact, it's better if we can involve the team to say, OK, you know, Pat's not with us anymore. I'd like to have a quick meeting about what you think is the right idea. Because again, your team's probably going to have a better idea how to fill in those gaps than you are from, or at least they'll have a different perspective on it. And if they're involved in making that plan and coming up with at least the next steps, they're going to be a lot more bought into it, especially if they end up getting extra work. <laughs> Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, that extra work could be either seen as a problem, you know, oh, crap, I, I'm working, you know, 45, 50 hours a week as it is. How am I going to take this on? Or it's an opportunity where it's like, okay, I can either show my value right from their perspective, or how do I do this extra work within the same 45 to 50 hours that I'm putting in or 40 hours, whatever that is. And all of a sudden you find yourself becoming more efficient. There's opportunity there, in other words. And maybe that's one of the questions is, do we need to make this replacement? And can, how can we make things more efficient? So they're easier for you. They're an easier process and we can, we can move forward. Um, so yeah. what about when, and this I recently with somebody that I work with, she got dropped by one of the other people she works with. And there was this weird, uncomfortable interaction of don't reach out to the clients, but they were the, the, you know, the salesperson's clients, the one that got dropped and she was being told, don't reach out to people. And it was this weird back and forth. And, you know, obviously the, the person who dropped the other one wanted to make sure that their potential sales that were kind of in the pipeline would continue through. But the salesperson who got dropped were like, these are my clients. Like, this is why you hired me to do this outreach for you. And so there was this strange, like, how do I maintain my clients while still letting them know this person isn't working with me anymore? Um, so here's some other people that I could send you. Uh, is this making any sense at all? <laughs> You know, it didn't at first, but I do actually, I do, I do know where you're at because what you're looking at is so, and, and this is interesting because this is really a vendor relationship. Mm, right. Right. And so this is a little different than an employee 
relationship. Correct. You can think of a vendor or a contractor that's really one and the same, the same thing. And and to your point is so the the uh, vendor in this case had pre-existing relationships with these potential customers that they were booking for your friend or potentially presenting your friend to. And I think if I'm if I'm the if I'm the booker, right? What I would be reaching out and said, well, first of all, what I would have said, let me back up. Some of this is really important in the contract language, right? But, That's right. where we. Right. It, what, 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 this is one of those things addressed in a contract that, you know, the, the contacts belong to whomever. And mm -hmm. if if the separation, and this is what I'd recommend, if their separation occurs, if you know they'll stop working, you will provide me a point of contact who I will direct people to. However, there's no exclusivity here. Yada, yada, yada. I reserve yep. the right to blah, blah, blah. And now if I'm, I'm your friend who is the, the actual booker, the person who was released, I'd be saying, listen, I no longer represent Joe Schmo. Right. And if you're interested in Joe Schmo, that's great, right? Because it's the client's best interest at heart. If 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 you're set on that, I have a here's a contact information and you could deal with them directly, you know. Mm -hmm. And I'll talk to you next year when the event comes up again, we'll see about somebody else. Because you lose con you lose those all the time. Right. It's not a big deal. But if you're still looking, you know, here's who I would recommend. Right. These are the yep. people I'm now working with. And right. and again, you do what's in the best interest of the client. There's no there's no big deal here. Right. Well, and 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 I think it was this tug of war in that case of how do I say this in a professional way? Because there were also there were some there were some uh, feelings that were involved as well. And so it was how do I say this in a professional way that doesn't sound like anybody's throwing anybody else under the bus. And I think that's going to be unique in every situation, but it's really important when you're talking about with a client and a contractor of how do I say this in the most professional way? So I come out smelling like roses, even though the relationship doesn't anymore. Well, you know, to me, and, and, and part of the challenge I think you have is because you have insider knowledge here, it's hard for you to avoid the stink, Right. But this is really no different in this sense uh, than an employee termination, right? Mm -hmm. Employees create relationships, depending on the position, but many employees will create relationships with your clients. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm sorry, they're no longer, they no longer work here. How can I help you? Yeah. Right. I'm mm -hmm. sorry, I no longer represent that person. How can I help you? And right. the details and, you know, all our fun with disclaimers earlier, the details are nobody's business. Right. Right. And it's not they're fired or they quit. They are no longer here. That's it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And and I don't, and, I, and again, I'm not saying that from a legal perspective. Yes, I, I'm willing to bet in most states, if not all states, that's the only thing you could say anyway. Mm -hmm. But just from a human being perspective, it's nobody's business. Nobody wants to hear your dirty laundry or right. smell it or see it. Or washed it. Well, except for maybe my wife. Uh, I, maybe she doesn't even want to, but she just does. My dirty Wow. Wife. Yeah. Well, again, we were saying want. <laughs> right. No, it's, uh, uh, and I married a couple hockey players one time, not one time, a couple times, uh, and I wouldn't want to do your laundry. But anyway, uh, no, it's true. And I think this is an important thing too, is the details aren't important. It's figuring out how do I just let them know, here's here's the current situation. And we're moving, and that, here's how we're moving forward.
Right. As far as the actual separation, it really is. They're no longer here, period. Mm -hmm. Now, let's talk about how we fill in the gap. Right. Yep. We and I think make, doing make that is, go ahead, sorry. I just said we could have made this a five-minute podcast. Well, well, and I think doing it, I think expediency is another piece that's important to uh, to take into account. I think you want to talk about this as quickly as possible because the longer people have to, again, legal you know, considerations aside, the longer people have to stew on it and fill in the gaps, the longer they're going to think perhaps that there's something shady going on or whatever, and they may make up more based on the amount of time it takes to share the information. So I think sharing with a level of expediency it, it, to the degree that is possible is important too. Yeah. And you know, what's interesting, I'm thinking about um, the last time I was separated, um, after the moving company was sold. Oh, from a company. I think you meant from a wife. <laughs> like you asked her to do your laundry, didn't you there, stink pants? Um, anyway, she, go prob she probably would have. She felt so guilty. But that was uh, that's a whole other conversation about my practice wife. Um, but the, for, the, the last time I was separated from a company um, inv involuntarily, and it, you know, it was after the moving company got sold and I was first the GM and then I think VP of sales. I can't remember what titles and, you know, basically they, they didn't want to keep paying me my high salary. A lot of things went on there. You know, they, they, they changed the way they were, they were operating, which took 15% off their gross profit right off the top. And then they had to make up for that. And I was one of me and the rest of the team by six months later, none of us who were there when the company was bought were, were there anymore. Mm. It was absolutely amazing. Um, but, you know, the, when they let me go, they're like, and you can't go talk to say goodbye to anybody. Right. Mm -hmm. Had they allowed me to go say goodbye, I'd have said, I'm going goodbye. That would have been it, you know. And but instead, what they did is they created this atmosphere of uncertainty and unknown. And frankly, what happened anyway is these were these were people I had multi-year relationships with who had my cell phone. Guess what happened? Mm -hmm. Right. They called me. They got my side of the story. They only got my side of the story. Mm -hmm. And now I was bitter. And this is just the truth. I was really bitter. It was handled so poorly that, you know, it was like, well, here, smell this dirty sock, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Right here. Here's their laundry. You want it? Yeah, totally. Well, and I think that's something that's really important to remember. We live in a society, in, a, in an age, in a technological age where it is so easy to find people. So easy to find people that you, you know, you're, people are going to talk to each other. So of course they're going to get the information and all of that stuff. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just be upfront, be candid as you can, again, within all legal boundaries. I'm almost tired of saying that. And, and more information is better than less. Yeah. Right. Do we have any more information to share? I think, I think that's all the information that there is to share at this point. That's all, folks. That's all, folks. Yeah, that was. I couldn't think of what the noises were. Thank you for for doing. Oh, that. I got the Looney Tunes. You got. That's why you have me. Well, you are definitely a Looney. It's true. All right, folks. Until next week. Thanks for listening, everybody. That concludes another episode of Disarming Persuasion. This is Dave Rosenberg, and you can find my website at lockedonleadership.com. And this is Anne Bonnie at yourchangespeaker.com.
Remember, if they fail to make a decision, you failed to disarm them. Yeah.